When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Jolly Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Barrett. This podcast is for those who are interested in the conversation around diversity, inclusion, and equity. Each week, I'll be interviewing a guest who has something special to share or is actively part of building solutions in this space. Let's get started. Trinita Carlton is an experienced leader, coach, and team builder. She received her undergraduate degree in psychology from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and a master's degree in organizational management from Pfeiffer University. As a lifelong learner, she maintains advanced agile and PMP certifications and is currently pursuing a designation as a certified professional coach. Trinita is currently a scrum master at a major financial services firm. There, she marries her background in psychology and delivering business value, which makes her masterful at building teams. She also serves as a mentor and coach for young professionals in the corporate space. When Trinita isn't cheering others on to the best version of themselves, she enjoys playing golf and traveling with her husband. I am so excited to have Trinita with me this week, and you are just going to be excited about what she has to say as well. So thank you for joining me, Trinita. Thank you for having me. I keep wanting to call you by your maiden name, I think, but because we've known each other so long. So I got to get used to Trinita Carlton. (laughs) I will always and forever be a McCormick, which is why I slid it right into my middle name. Um, when we got married. That's okay. There you go. Well, welcome. Welcome to the Jolly Podcast. And I am excited to talk to you about, you know, just how we create more inclusive teams and environment. But first, I really wanted to maybe just have you share a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Yes. Wow. That's that's a journey. I'm going to keep it short. Um, So... (laughs) I will say I was raised to always aspire to be the best I could be. And so for me and part of my generation, that has always been, you're going into corporate America. And so that's how I got landed where I am. I'm at a big investing firm, mutual fund firm. And one of the things that I think is really key in developing a career is, you know, as a young person, you get in where you can make some money. That's the first thing. How can I generate income? But as you start working in your career, you want to think about the things that you're really passionate about and things that you see coming up that tie back to you. 
one of those things that are strengths for me are building powerful teams, really having a keen ear for the voice of the customer, service and being of service, and leading from my seat and giving back to those who are coming behind me, specifically women of color, underrepresented groups. And so time, and then of course, in my natural environment, I'm super organized, very strategic. So project management came up as a way for me to lean into my organizational skills and my very, you know, kind of keeping a schedule. Um, And as I got into project management, one of the things that I loved about it was delivering a product to our customer. One of the things I was not a fan of in traditional project management was not having the customer in the journey, us creating these products where we didn't get feedback from our customers and not responding to the very, very rapid pace of change. So insert Agile. And so that's how I became a Scrum Master and working in Agile environments and Agile project management, where, you know, two of the big things that I love about it is that built-in is the ability to quickly pivot to things that are changing in the marketplace, to new or changing needs from the customer, but also taking the customer along the journey without using a lot of jargon. There are periods of time where there's two weeks, three weeks, where we go back to the customer and say, hey, this is what we've done so far. Do you like this? Is this what you still had in mind? Give us some feedback. And the customer gets to say, yes, I love it. Or no, we were thinking more this and then we can change. The other part that I like about that is not only that feedback loop, but the feedback loop that we have among the agile teams, where at that same period of time, we take a pause and say, what did we learn from the last period, two weeks, three weeks? Did we like how everything went? Were there opportunities for improvement? What can we as a team hold ourselves accountable to, to get better and mature? And so I love that about both of those. And so that's kind of how I ended up in Agile. And where I'm going with that is one of the things that I've learned is that it's not just about that particular framework. I do a lot of coaching and helping people be better people so that individually, so that we have better, stronger teams. And so as I continue to lean more into the coaching and helping individuals show up as the best version of themselves, I'm really learning that that is something that I've been doing my entire life in my friend groups and my networking groups with my friend's children. And um, so that is the next phase, I guess, Trinita.30 of my career (laughs) will end up in the very soon future. So that's where I am. That's fantastic. I mean, what's interesting about it is it's such a discovery of yourself. And then you have clearly kind of showcased your strengths in the things that that are passionate to you, which sounds like helping and coaching people is just kind of part of who you are. Absolutely. So let me ask you a quick question, because when people say agile, (laughs) all agile teams and all companies that have agile are not equal in terms of, you know, so everybody seems to have a little bit of a different flavor for agile. (laughs) I assume that that makes things a little bit more challenging when you're bringing teams together across customers. Are there tips and tools you can you can maybe share? Yes. You know, one of the things that I think I, I consider myself not an agile fundamentalist. Agile is a way of approaching project management specifically defined for 
software engineering teams, but that now people are using it outside of, of technology. And there are many different frameworks within Agile. The one that the company that I work for right now supports is Scrum. There are many others, Kanban, Lean, XP. And so one of the things that I love about Scrum specifically, other Agile frameworks, is that it can be customized based off of the needs of your business and the needs of your team. And there are definitely frameworks to scale that if you're in a large enterprise versus keeping it very small if you're in a startup organization. What what is helpful when you're working with teams, of course, once you're in a company and decided this is the framework and this is the way we're going to use this framework in our environment, when you're working outside of that with customers that are outside of your organization, you need to establish, in my opinion, a baseline and an agreement. We call these working agreements or how are we use this within this project, right? If you're going to work it outside of your, your organization, that's the first tip. Make sure we're all on the same page, create this baseline of understanding what is agile, what does it look like in this environment, what are the agreements that we're going to have on this particular team for this specific project, what support are we going to have in place. And then I love the concept of let's hold each other accountable. We have scrum masters and other titles and leaders that are there that sometimes are looked to to fix everything. But the best way for in the most agile teams hold themselves accountable and the, the scrum master is there just to make sure we stay on the road, if you will. And so you have this agreement, this work working agreement. Let's let's buy into it. Let's, you know, agree to it and then hold each other accountable um, to the things that we agree to. So those are some of my tips. Have a baseline. Yeah. Have a working agreement um, and decide for this project, for this team, what are the things that we're going to embrace as far as the agile principles and specifically tools and things um, for this piece of work. I love that. So then in terms of, you know, we've had so much conversation over the last year about equity, whether it be gender equity, racial equity. I mean, we could go healthcare equity all over the place. And, you know, I think companies are really trying to figure out how they create more inclusion um, especially when it comes to the culture and climate of the company. So can you talk a little bit about, I mean, how do we create more inclusion when it comes to really kind of, you know, making the business grow and delivering product? Yeah, I, lo- I love how you said that, making the business grow. Because the main thing is the main thing. A company or a business is in place because they want to make money. Otherwise, why are we here? Right. Right. But in order to do that, you have to understand that there are going to be people who are going to contribute to that end goal. And you have to make sure that they feel valuable, that they feel like they have a place in that organization because you want them as passionate about helping your company support as possible. Um, And so in order to do that, people, I've heard this phrase a million times, but I really believe it's true. People don't know, care how much you know. So they know how much you care. They're not going to buy into your vision, your passion, if they don't feel like you care about them as individuals. And we're seeing that more and more as the generations change. I know you and I are in a different generation where we, you know, we this is what we purpose to do. We, we're here to make money. We're going to support the company. And, and we have this agreement that at the end, you're going to make sure that we're settled in retirement. The newer generations don't necessarily feel that way. That loyalty is not there from the organization or the individual. So how do you create this, this mutually beneficial 
organization. Very different from what we had before. And so, I, you know, definitely you want to respond to the issues of the day. You know, last year was a very pivotal, pivotal year in how, to your point, racial equity, inclusion, diversity was viewed. I think the company, uh, the country had a reckoning season where they had to stand to that day because now you have people, organizations who say, we want to, part of our core values is that we want to say that we value this, that it's important to us as a core value of our organization. And as you have partnerships, sponsorships, you, you need to align to that. That's important to you. And so that became a changing point for people. And so I think as we continue to lean into racial equity and diversity and inclusion, we also keeping that the main thing, think about other ways that we can create inclusive organizations. And one of the ways that I talked about this, actually before the pandemic, just because of uh, some of the things that were going on the team that I was working on at the time is around personality. Mm-hmm. You know, as our teams become global, we're not just U.S. based anymore. How do we create um, inclusive environments for, for teams that are not just comprised of Americans, Western based individuals? And I was faced with a situation where I had a team um, that was partially based in China, partially based here, um, because that, that we were already on Zoom. And I had situations where people were not gelling as a team. People were not talking. And again, as I talked about in my career, a lot of the aha moments I have are around my own self-awareness and how I'm showing up in these organizations and, and teams. And I realized that I wanted people to be like me. And by and large, you'll see me. I had another awareness moment in this in this in this period as an extrovert. That I was very dynamic, very not necessarily loud, but I live life loud, bold, colorful, talkative. And not everybody's that way, but I wanted people to show up that way. That made me comfortable. And so mm-hmm. I had to take a moment in the beat. And I have to give a lot of credit to my sister friend who, who you know, share with me that she is not an extrovert, though I thought she was. And she shared that she was an introvert. And in doing a lot of my own research, I found out that a third of Americans are actually introverts. But we in Western culture view extrovertism as the desired trait. But not all, all, not all people are that way. So how do we get those individuals comfortable in, their team, in our teams? And more than that, how do we value the specific gifts, talents, um, the way they bring energy, the way they contribute to our teams, those things in, in high regard. And so I read this book um, by Susan Payne called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking, long title. But in that book, I found out that many Eastern cultures do not view extrovertism the way we do. They highly respect and hold in high regard people who are introspective reflective, that when information is passed to them, they take a beat, mull it over, think about it, and then contribute. And how powerful is that? Because how many times on our teams do we, because we want to be seen as an extrovert, do we shoot off an answer or response or a suggestion, a way forward that is maybe (laughs) half-baked? Because we got the information now, let's go. And we didn't think about all the risks we didn't think about the dependencies we had had down the way. And we end up slowing down because we didn't consider those things. And so those are valuable things to have, not only your team, but as leaders. 
yes, we want to move forward. We want to move at the, the speed of light. But we also want to be thoughtful and intentional about how we do that. So there's value in both. And so that's yes. one way that we, 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 um, we create those teams is, is thinking about those values that they bring and the gifts and talents they bring and holding those in high regard. Absolutely. I mean, it's so interesting because when we think about diversity, a lot of times we think about, you know, race and gender. Um, but there are so, I mean, a person is so complex. There are so many ways that we can be diverse mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, how we're contributing to the business. So I love the fact that you're talking about being an extrovert versus an introvert and, mm -hmm. you know, how you how you create a team that allows everyone to belong and feel like they're included. Yes. Um, and even the way you set feedback loops up, Zoom is a perfect example. And as a person who reads body language, verbals, nonverbals, I, I talk with my hands, I use a lot of expression. There are people where, and even me at this point, you know, almost two years in, that are exhausted with Zoom. So giving people permission to turn the videos off where they can think without all this constant feedback of, of, of all the things that I think help, right? Not necessarily making it where people have to talk in an environment that they can go back, think about something, and then respond later. One of the things that I've done, you know, Agile is really big on time boxes, um, but saying, hey, here's something that I want us to think about, brainstorm as a team. Let's take 24 hours. And in that 24 hours, think of your ideas and let's put them in a Teams chat, a separate Teams chat just for this. Or yes, let's use a digital way of communicating like a mural or a, mur a mural board um, to provide feedback. Those are ways that you encourage people who are maybe more introverted and don't think really one of their um, opportunities is that they don't really think really quickly on the spot where your extroverts may just spit something out. This gives right. them an opportunity to contribute powerfully without pushing them to be extroverted, right? Um, and so those are just a few ways to, to, to help them with that, but also value, again, as I said, highly the characteristics that they bring, that they can bring up those risks or those things that we need to think about as we're building products, as we're thinking about strategic planning, that we ordinarily would not even consider because we're so ready to get to the next thing. And so, yes, the, thinking about that is very, very powerful and helps create those inclusive teams where people feel like I don't have to be like person A in order to still be a high value member of this team. And so that was just one way that I've, I've looked at inclusive environments. The other way I've been thinking about le lately is about how we view leadership, because as I think about you know, talking about personality inclusions, how we have um, coached, encouraged, and talked to young women, getting back to gender, but in a, a different little way, um, about how they should proceed in their career. I remember being a young woman in corporate, and as we talked about networking, we've always held, or we, we've held in high regard, male leadership. So the way to progress in corporate America is to think about things that are important to them so that you can build this common thread that you all have relatability with. And so I was encouraged, learn about sports. Now, I like sports already to a degree, but traditionally basketball is what don't play it, but love to watch it. But I was encouraged to look, learn football, baseball, hockey, Sports that I don't traditionally think about, because those are the conversations that when you're going on a business trip and you might end up at the bar 
that the men will be talking about. So mm-hmm. you don't want to stand over here by yourself without anything to contribute to this very casual conversation. So let's learn about that. Let's use these personal characteristics that men use when they show up in a meeting. Um, how to create space, how to command a room that are sometimes can be seen as very male characteristics. And that's what I was cho- told to do, coached to do as a woman to move up the ranks, right? And so as I've been thinking about that more recently, I wonder as we, again, when we talk about um, inclusion and diversity, this word of authenticity comes up quite often. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's yes. about that as well. But was that really authentic advice for me to get to, for me to receive and then now to have passed on to women about this is the way to get ahead? I think about a little earlier in my career, I was more junior, there were a group of women leaders who invited me to the happy hour. And what I loved about that particular happy hour, we didn't talk about any of that stuff. What we talked about was Pinterest. Um, For those who were mothers, they talked about their children and the activities that they picked up, um, uh, picking them up after school and how it's awesome. We talked about meal prep. We talked about couponing. We talked about sales. We talked about makeup and all the things that women tend to talk about. But in that group were VPs, directors, managers, like at that time I was a manager, that were in that group. And that networking group helped me to move around in the organization that, that where I'm employed. And I didn't have to do anything outside of I naturally am to be present in that group and to contribute to those conversations. So <clears throat> I've really now been reflecting about how can we talk about authenticity, we talk, talk about career mobility and how we coach and mentor young women. Do we always have to lean towards being more like a man to to get ahead in your career? The answer is no. We just need to be more intentional about creating these opportunities for women to learn from others in ways that are more natural to them. So those are just two really things that have been I've been thinking about recently around inclusion and career mobility and um, and and how we create these organizations, whether it's formal teams or informal um, networking teams within organizations. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I think it's, and it's funny because I think as you create those cohorts, you, you, I mean, whether they're informal cohorts and you're just, you know, at the same place and all of a sudden you're relating to one another across all sorts of different topics, right? Um, Doesn't necessarily have to be professional, but, you know, you have now common things or other things that they can relate to with, you know, raising children and the challenges associated with that or, you know, like what you like, you know, Halloween, whatever. You know, there's so many different ways that people can relate. But I, I love the way you said, you know, giving space. Because I think in business, there's so often periods of time where you are trying to run so fast right. that you you don't get to give space, right? You, you're just continuing to run. Mm-hmm. And so I think last year, I saw a lot of companies just like, take a step back. Let's just give the space. Right. Which has been really helpful, I think, for 
a lot of folks, although we've seen so many women leaving the workspace, the workplace, Mm -hmm. because of just, you know, sheer overwhelm or, you know, inflexible work environments or, you know, we could count the ways. So it's it's really interesting. Yeah, Yeah. Go ahead. It is. You know, another buzzword of, of 2020, 2021 has been self-care, mm-hmm. right? And how we we define that. I think prior to the pandemic, maybe at the very bit, beginning of the pandemic, well, prior to the pandemic, we really thought about it as massages, facials, manicures, pedicures. And now we've taught, we've, we, we're constantly redefining self-care and some of the things that you hear now are creating boundaries. Yes. Right. Positioning your energy, determining what kind of energy environment. Energy means a lot of things to a lot of people, but what environment that you want to be in. Really clearly defining your values and leaning and really standing by that. And so organizations have really encouraged people to take a pause. They've, they've at least given very good lip <laughs> service to it. But I think there's more that we can do with that. As, as there have been conversations about PTO and we take time off. Well, oh, we also want to deliver. But even as I found personally that taking that time away is highly restorative. And then when I show back up to work, I now have the mental capacity, the space to be creative, innovative, think strategically and really help contribute in a different way to my team than if I continue to work every single day and not take a break, that you're exhausted. It takes way more effort. And so sometimes to slowing down actually speeds things up a bit. And I, I think organizations are seeing that, um, that, an, that an exhausted workforce does not contribute in the best way, in the highest way, um, to their work and to the organization and what they want to deliver. And so that, that's definitely an opportunity. I do not have children, but for those women who have, some women who have left the organization, the pandemic was particularly hard for them as they managed home, became uh, uh, unlicensed teachers probably for the first time in their lives, and then still felt this need and, 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 and pull to deliver at work. And so I think a lot of women have redefined what, where do I need to be? Where are my, where are my um, priorities right now? And so I applaud those women who have had some, had to have some self-awareness for themselves and make some very difficult decisions about how they show up best for their families and, and what to do with their careers. So definitely. Yeah, definitely. Time. And, and certainly I am a lover of Pinterest, so I might fit in really well with your group. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, there is for sure. So Mm -hmm. then I love the fact that you, you know, when you think about inclusion, you're thinking about personality based on your psychology background. Are there other things that in your role, you know, as you're going for your designation, you're doing a lot more coaching. Are there Mm -hmm. other things that you might share that you think companies can can take advantage of or? Yeah, yeah, I think that, and 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 it, I think providing the resources, right? I'm very blessed with the company that I work for provides professional coaching and career coaching as a benefit to their employees, um, and I think that is something that is very much needed to say, hey, where do you want to be? Um, career. Many employees don't don't really take the time or have the time to think. Where do I want to go in my career? 
what is really important to me? What am I passionate about? And now, after identifying that, how can I cultivate design intentionally a career path for myself? Many times we have employees who never get beyond, I need to provide income for myself. And we see a lot of, and what I'm discovering in some of these teams is that you have individuals who are unhappy. They're good at what they do. They don't like what they do. Um, And so they stay there because they're good at it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're happy there. And so one of the things that I've been encouraging people to do as I've coached them on my team and outside of my team is first define what are you good at and what do you like to do? Then you don't mind getting out of bed to work. You 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 really are, are passionate about it. So you would, you know, I don't encourage people to, to work 80 hours, but if it was quite required and you enjoy it, it's not as hard of a pool rather than you working 80 hours because you're good at something, but yes. you hate it. Yes. Right. It's like the and, energy and flows, right? Yes. Correct. Um, and so I think that that companies would want employees to marry the two. Then you get to d- have a person who is passionate about the work they're doing. Therefore, the quality of the work, the innovation around the work is going to be at a much higher level. So I understand we have staffing issues. But if they, getting back to what kind of organizations do, if we help people with that type of coaching, that will help you to have a better equipped, a more motivated workforce. And then, you know, also, I'm not a therapist, but many times in these coaching conversations, <laughs> you, you have people share things that really are best equipped for a licensed therapist to help them through. And many companies do already have an EAP, EAP program that could either pays 100% or a portion of therapist costs. And I think especially in this environment that we've had, we're, coming, we're sort of transitioning out of the pandemic. We've had a lot of unrest in our American culture that people are trying to process through and show up to work as themselves. And so those services are very much needed. And so encouraging individuals to get that help and creating more of a positive narrative around um, mental health is also very, very important for companies to support, provide, if they're not already providing these services, um, and then to encourage. And be, be okay with people talking about it um, and saying, hey, I have this appointment, so I won't be able to show up to this particular engagement, so that when they come back, they can, they're, they've taken care of themselves, getting back into that self-care. And now they can be passionate about the things that your organization's passionate Yeah, that's awesome. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. I think especially when folks are, you know, really kind of focused on agile, the, the entire company seems like it's a lot more flat. And maybe there aren't as many hierarchies, but I find that it's maybe more challenging to navigate your career because you're not, you, you may not necessarily have a pathway. Correct. And so I think it's interesting that when you're talking about, you know, your company provides coaching, a lot of companies don't, or maybe mm-hmm. they're just getting into providing mm-hmm. coaching for 
you know, maybe people of color or women or something like that. Right. Which I think is, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's the beginning. If if you don't have, I mean, if you're keeping track of of information and you see the specific drop off between, you know, women or people of color moving from one position to the other and through that pipeline in your company. So that's amazing. Kudos yeah. to your company for providing mm-hmm. those kinds of resources. Yes. You know, so a couple of things on that that I wanted to respond to that you said. So, yes. In my history, most of what I've seen as far as career coaching being provided in most major organizations is when you get to the C-suite, right? And so then you get this professional coaching and how do you get to the C-suite if you're not coached on how to get there, right? And so that's where it becomes very important when you think about opportunities for people of color, women, others to, to progress. The coaching needs to start before they arrive. Let's when we talk about making it equitable, let's help people get there. I think also, I know also that in my history, based off what my family knew and my network knew prior to me giving in corporate America, I didn't even know coaching was a thing, that professional coaching mm-hmm. was a thing. And how I learned about it was through, again, my sister friend who had done her own research and found out about it, but also those networks of women and men who had already reached the C-suite, <clears throat> talked about that. So how can we, so it goes back to creating those, those networking circles who are willing to share back how I got here. A lot of people, you know, I hate, I love bootstrapping, this bootstrapping narrative, you know, and then I hate it. I love it and I hate it. There is something about bootstrapping, but what I'm finding is that not many people bootstrap the way they really make it seem. Someone had to help you. Someone somewhere helped you. And so you didn't do it on your own. And so t- be honest with people. Be transparent. Be vulnerable. These are all agile um, principles that we talk about quite often. Share. like So yes, I, I got my degrees and that was really great. But this person was a sponsor for me. I received coaching from this person on how to present and and how to network, how to provide value, how to lean into and be really key on what are the values that this company has, what are the goals that they have so that I could really be laser focused on that, deprioritize some of the busy work that I get. Those are nuggets that your, your sponsor, your mentor, your coaches tell you so that you can progress. So how do we create these networks for um, women, people of color, underrepresented groups? So they, they learn about these things. So they even know that these services are available to them. And even if your company doesn't offer it, let's hope that they do. But if they don't, you can make a decision about, should I invest in this myself? Should, you know, when I'm thinking about the things that I need to invest in for me personally, should I invest in this for myself so I still get the coaching that I need? So it is very, very important. And we want men to be, advocates and um, allies for us. And we're encouraging them, them to do that. And some will. It's still a, a, a cultural change for many. And so I really, you know, want to encourage women that may be listening to the podcast to think about how they can create these safe spaces to share information back to those who are coming behind them so they, so they, so they can learn and they can advance in their careers. Yes, I love that. And, you know, I was just reading one of the reports um, that I think McKinsey put out 
specifically on women in the workplace. And they were talking about how women are sponsoring, I think it's like 2.3 to two and a half times more people than the men are. And so when you talk about reaching back, it's like, you know, these women are doing all all sorts of work to to add and be able to bring people with them. But yet, mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of cases, according to that report, they the women of color actually drop off at the very first rung. I mean, going from, you know, to into the management role. So it's it's really, I think the the importance of of what you're saying in terms of reaching back is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not only for us as women, but for our allies, yeah. uh, men as well, to, as you know, see, you have to see these women. So, right. And how we talk to our allies needs to change a little bit. I remember when I was on the board of the uh, Women's Leadership Group, which is one of our advocacy groups in our organization, we talked about how can we get men involved, right? You know, because we had all these women here, and this is great, but how can we get them, encourage them to be allies? and encourage them to be advocates. And, you know, we had some really great conversations about it, but one of the things we talked about is like, so a question I love is what's in it for me? So when you talk, most people want to know what is important. Okay, this is great, but what's in it for me? Why should I show up? And so I said, what would make it worth a man's while to show up and to be an advocate? I was like, Men have daughters, men have wives, and they want them to be successful. So let's let's get them in the door by talking about when we're doing our marketing and we're doing our draw for them to show is, is talking about, you know, when we're doing what I like to call sneak de- um, sneaker sneaker invites, where you walk around the desk, of course, it's way pre-COVID, right? But that we invite them and say, hey, I know you, you we've talked about your daughter before, this would be great information for her to have or whatever. When we get them in the room, then we can start talking about how can you support the women on your team, right? And so, get and how that makes you look as a manager who have a who has a team that promotes their women, that helps their women to grow. Um, so we really need to think about in a lot of ways what is in it for me, meaning what is in it for them, um, and creating that yes. draw. Um, and then hopefully that grows and matures into people wanting to be there because you want to support and you want to serve. It's a growth process. I tell people all the time, especially in Agile, there's a lot of change. The only thing constant yes. is change, but change also takes time. It is not a rapid process. The, one of the ways I have a little bit of empathy for those that we are asking to change is that change is very hard. And if you are have been doing something 30, 40, 50, 60 years to ask people to pivot in a day, a week, a month is a, is a, is a, is a, is a hard turn, right? It's a hard turn for some of us. And so how can we, and I know we've asked a lot of the unrepresented, of our unrepresented groups, but how can we help, help them along this journey? Let's start there. Let's baby step them through. And, and my hope, I, I'm a, I'm a rainbows and sunshine person is that eventually it becomes a part of them that they want to do it because it's the right thing to do, that it becomes part of their own value system versus that we have to create a, a benefit for them in order to yes. show them the room. I'm willing to, to, to be patient to a degree 
and partner with them to, to try to get them there. Yes. Well, you're part of my generation. I think sometimes we're more patient than uh, <laughs> than our younger counterparts sometimes. But, you know, you kind of need both, right? You got to have the push and the pull. So to not become complacent. You know, one of the things that I think I have, you know, in looking at myself and being very aware is that our generation had a lot of time to become complacent and um, and become comfortable. And we needed some of the scales to fall off our own eyes about the way things were. And this younger generation is pushing us to say we're not doing that anymore. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and so how are we going to get it done yes. right now? So we do need that push and pull and that sharing of information and that partnership between one to set some some realistic expectations. But we do need some outrageous, outlandish, some let's push the envelope thinking so that we do move forward. And yeah. I love it. I love I love what they to do and ask, ask us how to um, better yes, show up for Yes, them. that's fabulous. So. All right. Any last words for the coachable? We've talked a lot about the companies, but, you know, obviously those that are being coached. Yeah. You know, it, it, it all relies on you. Everyone's journey is different. Um, find value in your own journey, but be willing to take a moment to take a, a page from the introverts and be introspective, reflective. Take a, you know, take a look in the mirror Take a journey of your own self-awareness. One of the greatest things and the value that I already have um, on my way to, to getting my, my full designation is this journey of self-awareness that I've been required to come on, go on, and the questions I've had to ask myself. And it has not been easy, um, but I've grown so much. And so how I show up in my friend groups and my family groups and at is very different than I would say I did three, four, five years ago. And so if it is your desire, because not everybody wants to grow. Some people are very comfortable with where they are and that's okay. That is their boundary and that's okay. But for those who do want to grow as individuals, I encourage you to take that journey of self-awareness, self-discovery, ask those hard questions, do the work. I'm wearing in the coaching world, cheering you on. I am the cheerleader's cheerleader. And so, and um, there are many that are out there who are willing to partner and link arms with you to guide you along your journey. So that would be my encouragement to those who are. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Trinita, for joining me for this wonderful conversation. And we wish you certainly all the best as you go for your designation and in the work that you're doing on a day-to-day basis, we thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you again so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for the great work that you're doing to raise awareness around diversity, equity, and inclusion through your podcast and through all the work that you do. Thanks for joining me on the Jolly Podcast. Please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.